Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Sawyer, your host. We just got through the season of the illumination, the manifestation, the incarnation. In other words, the nativity of our Lord, his incarnation, also his baptism, the epiphany, all those events that had to do with God showing himself forth, God coming into our reality. And now, seemingly so quickly after that time, we are already, especially in the Eastern liturgical calendars, we are preparing already for Lent. Already we're ushering our Lord towards Calvary, towards his suffering and death, but of course, especially his resurrection. This is one of the Sundays of several Sundays of preparation for Lent in the Byzantine liturgical calendar. This Sunday is called the Sunday of the Publican and the Pharisee. You recall that gospel, the humility of the publican and the boastfulness of the Pharisee? The one of the reasons, as you can probably imagine, one of the reasons why we read that gospel, why we had that theme, is because, again, it's one of those themes that really prepares us for Lent spiritually, because Lent, of course, is a time of repentance, which takes a lot of humility. Let's face it, it takes a lot of humility to go to confession, to admit our sins. There are several other Sundays, which we'll be talking about in the pursuing Sundays as you listen to our program several other Sundays of preparation, but today begins the first of them. Actually, there's one that comes just before this, but it got usurped this particular year by the Sunday after Theophany. That Sunday, or that theme, would be the Gospel of Zacchaeus. Remember the tax collector? Jesus looks up at him as Zacchaeus is in the tree, and he says, come on down, I want to have dinner with you at your home. And everybody's scandalized because Jesus is talking to a tax collector. Well, once again, It's a theme of humility and of desire, wanting to be close to Christ. So these themes will unfold in the next several Sundays in the Byzantine liturgical calendar as we move towards Lent and to Calvary and then, of course, the resurrection. It just seems to come up so quickly, but it varies from year to year in the calendar. Sometimes Lent is a little bit further away from the Christmas season, but this particular year is a little bit closer. If you're listening to this program for the first time, or maybe you've listened to it just a few times, 
The idea of an Eastern Catholic Church, an Eastern lung of the Church that I keep talking about here in our program, may be still a little bit strange to you, a little bit foreign. Being an Eastern Catholic is something that's foreign to most people in America, especially most Roman Catholics or Latin Rite Catholics. And when we speak about the Eastern lung of the Church, we're speaking about basically two areas, two groups, the Eastern Catholics, of which I am one, and the Eastern Orthodox churches. In other words, these are churches that all have their origins in the Eastern part of the world. When Christianity spread, it took on the character of the culture it was in. So if it went East, it took on the character of the Eastern cultures, their mindset, their philosophy, their style of expression, their music, and so on. If Christianity went West, it took on the character of the Western cultures. And so we have basically, as St. John Paul II said, two lungs of the church that hopefully, ideally, are supposed to breathe together. But sometimes they don't. And in fact, there was a great divide between the two of them in the year 1054 AD. For a thousand years, there was this relatively happy marriage between the Eastern churches and the Western churches. Same basic belief, but yet expressed in these two complementary ways. Well, we fast forward about 500 years, and within the Eastern Orthodox churches, there was another break. I mean, this time, it was a break that actually was a reunion. Parts of the Orthodox churches reunited with Rome again, the way it was before the Great Schism. Now, those churches are called the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's what I am. I'm a member of the Ruthenian Byzantine Catholic Church here in America. Our origins are in Central Europe and Eastern Europe. And before that, our origins are actually in what we know today as Turkey. That at one time was Constantinople, which is today Istanbul, but prior to being Istanbul, the great city there in the Bosphorus in Turkey, was called Constantinople, and before that it was Byzantium. So a lot of parts of Central Europe were evangelized by Byzantine missionaries. From there, those Central Europeans came to America, and so that's my particular heritage. I know this is kind of complex, but it's also not very well known. And because of that, the Eastern churches, especially the Western world, the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic, have some specific challenges. Recently, I came across an article that was written by an Orthodox priest. His name is Father Reverend Oliver Herbel. Now, what impressed me about this article was, first of all, the title, and the content of the article was very consistent with the title. The title of the article is, The Side of American Orthodoxy That Orthodox Are Loath to Admit. Now, what he meant by that in the content of the article, is that there is a shrinkage or almost like an offsetting penalties in terms of the growth of orthodoxy in America. In other words, they have received many new people, especially in the 1980s and 1990s, but they've also lost a few. In fact, in his article, he says this, that there is growth may be a good thing, but we also need to be honest about the losses. So, if we've done our research, we shouldn't be surprised to learn of losses. Father Herbal is referring to an article, and he says, if one reads the article carefully, one will note that what starts out blaming interfaith marriages turns into a call for Orthodox to make our parishes more open and loving to interfaith families and to find a way to engage the contemporary world. So he's admitting, and that's one of the reasons I was impressed with the article, he's admitting that if we look at things honestly, even the Orthodox churches, as well as the Eastern Catholic churches, we're not really growing. As I mentioned, it's like offsetting penalties. We do grow. We do get people, oftentimes very enthusiastic people, but we also lose them for various reasons, which we're going to look at today in our program. 
They are reasons that the Eastern Catholic churches and Orthodox churches together have to look at because we share these same challenges because we're all Eastern Christians in a Western world. Now, that's actually a good thing. It's a gift, but it has certain challenges. And the challenges to growth for the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic, come from their gifts. I always believe that our cross comes from our crown. In other words, the downside of us comes from our gift. So to understand the downside or the challenges or the difficulties of our churches, or even in our own lives personally, I like to trace it back to the gift. You know that saying, follow the money trail? Well, I like to say, follow the gift trail. Follow what is good and strong, unique about somebody or something, in our case, the Eastern churches, but realize that that something that is good, that is a gift, can oftentimes have a fallen side because we live in a world that has fallen, affected by original sin. So the very thing that is our glory can oftentimes be our downfall. For the Eastern churches, one of those gifts is what we call a local church ecclesiology. That means the way the Eastern churches are structured. They tend to be small, and especially Orthodox churches, they tend to be gathered around a particular patriarch, his bishops and clergy and monastics and the laity. And in Eastern church ecclesiology, that creates a complete church. Notice I did not mention in that ecclesiology the Pope. Because in the Eastern ecclesiology, especially the Orthodox churches, there are, I'm going to use the term, it's not really totally accurate, but I'll use it for the sake of our discussion. There are, in a sense, many popes, many popes. In other words, popes, which means father, papa, the father of a particular church. Now, the pope we're all familiar with, what the world is familiar with, is the pope basically of the world, we can say. Certainly the one visible head of the entire Roman Catholic Church, which of course is huge. Well, in the Eastern churches, there are people like popes, but they're called patriarchs. And they generally are the heads of churches that are much, much smaller in number than the Roman Catholic Church. Each individual church has its own patriarch or its own quote-unquote pope. Now, there's something beautiful about that. It brings people together in a sense of family, of community. It's very Eucharistic. But there's a downfall, and that downfall is one of the things that our author of this article, The Side of American Orthodoxy, that Orthodox are loath to admit, of course his name again is Reverend Oliver Herbel, the downside of that gift is that the Eastern churches can oftentimes become rather insular and oftentimes divided. It's easy for them to fight among themselves and to separate from each other because they figure, well, I can separate from you, I don't have to be in communion with you if I get mad at you which happened historically, because I still have my own valid church. I got my own patriarch, our own bishops and priests and monastics and laity. So I don't have to be in communion with you. That's the downside of the beauty of the local church ecclesiology. And again, that's a challenge for the Eastern churches in terms of their growth, especially in the Western world. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk more about the crown and the crosses of the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic. And during the break, I want you to get a piece of paper, a pencil, or a pen. If you're driving, pull off to the side for just a moment because I'm going to give you some events coming up that I think are really important for you, especially if you want to know or immerse yourself more deeply in this mystery called the Eastern Christian spirituality. I'm Father Thomas Loyal on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion, and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. 
in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. As a married couple, how would you like to give each other the gift of love itself? then this is for you. Hello, I'm Father Thomas J. Loya, and I am inviting husbands and wives to join me and the team of the Tabor Life Institute at St. Nicholas Parish in Munster, Indiana on Saturday, February 27th, and at St. Basil's Parish in Sterling Heights, Michigan on Saturday, April 30th for Embracing the Mystery, a day of recollection for married couples. Our presentation weds together the sacramental liturgical worldview of Byzantine spirituality and St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body to rediscover the why of marriage so as to know the how of a happy sacramental marriage. We will also integrate what goes on in church with what should go on in our homes. For information and to register, visit TaborLife.org. That's TaborLife.org. Or call 708-645-0762. 708-645-0762. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. The Tabor Life Institute, which is dedicated to the formation and education in the theology of the body. To find out more about the Tabor Life Institute, you can go to taborlife.org. That's taborlife.org. Especially if you're interested in conferences and retreats, in particular for youth, young adults, and also for those of you who speak Spanish. That's TaborLife.org. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya, your host. I mentioned that we have some wonderful things coming up that I think you really ought to attend. One of those things, if you're in, especially in the Cleveland, Akron, Barberton, Canton area, is called Theosis, Fulfilling Our Destiny. In fact, this is coming up this very week, Friday to Saturday, January 22nd to the 23rd. This is a time to reflect, renew, and revitalize as we prepare for Lent. It's called Theosis, Fulfilling Our Destiny. This is taking place at St. Nicholas Byzantine Catholic Church on Robinson Road in Barberton, Ohio. For information, go to their website stnickbyz.com. That's spelled S-T-N-I-C-K-B-Y-Z.com. Again, it's a wonderful opportunity, a retreat, fulfilling our destiny. January 22nd to the 23rd, that's Friday to Saturday, 6.30 p.m. to 9 a.m. Go to stnickbyz.com. And one more thing, go to taborlife.org to find out about and to sign up for a day of recollection for married couples called Embracing the Mystery. I'll be one of the leading speakers of these days of recollection. They take place in several areas. The next one coming up is Saturday, February 27th in Munster, Indiana, at St. Nicholas Church in Munster, Indiana. But you can find out all about that by going to taborlife.org. That's T-A-B-O-R-L-I-F-E.org. Or call 708 708- 645-0762. That's 708-645-0762. And we're talking today about the Eastern Catholic churches and Eastern Orthodox churches, their particular challenges in a Western world. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, most people don't know who we are because we're small. We're small. And we're in a Western country. And I mentioned that our challenges come from or can be traced back to our gifts, which I believe is true for anyone, even for individual persons. In other words, our gifts, what's good about us, also at the same time can be our downfall. 
So the second gift I want to talk about at the Eastern churches is the ethnic dimension. In the East, it's, it's almost impossible to separate out the culture from the church. The church and culture are so wedded in the East. Now, it is that way to an extent in the Western world, but the Western church, such as the Roman Catholic Church, has had an ability to negotiate through that more effectively than the East has. For example, years ago in many of the big cities in America, such as where we are here at Light of the East in Chicago, you had your ethnic churches. You had your Italian parish. Practically across the street, you had the Irish parish or the German parish down the street. You had these ethnic churches that were Latin right. But over time, the Roman Catholic Church was able to somehow bring them together without entirely losing those identities. In the Eastern churches, it seems to be much more of a challenge to separate out the cultural, the cultural background from the church. Now, again, this is a beauty of the Eastern churches because culture and church, family, home become very integrated. And that's a beautiful thing. In other words, what you do in church is what you do at home. There's a connection there. It's not compartmentalized. Again, that's the crown, one of the crowns of the Eastern churches. Now, the cross part, the downfall is, which again poses a challenge for our growth, is that the Eastern churches will have a tendency to become too ethnocentric. In other words, too turned in on themselves. If you're not of that particular ethnic group and you want to become an Eastern Christian, either Orthodox or Catholic, sometimes you're looked upon as sort of an outsider, looked askance, like, wait a minute, you're not one of us, you're not Ukrainian, or you're not Greek, or whatever. Why do you want to join us? And people want to join the Eastern churches because of their spirituality. And yes, to a certain extent, because of the wedding of the culture and the spirituality. But people who are new to an Eastern church, Eastern Orthodox or Eastern Catholic, they generally come there because of the spirituality, you know, the liturgy, the mystery, the asceticism. They know that the ethnic dimension is there, and it's a beautiful part. But at the same time, that part, which is a crown, can become a cross. It can militate against a sense of welcome and therefore a growth of the Eastern churches. A third thing is our form of worship and prayer. It's funny, whenever I go around places and give talks, I get around the country and even out of the country, when people don't know anything about the Eastern Catholic churches— it's funny that the one thing they seem to know or think is that all of our services are long. So one of the first things they ask me is, well, how long is your Mass? Of course, our Mass is called liturgy. They know nothing else, but somehow they got the idea that our liturgies, our services in the Eastern churches are very long. Well, that's partly true. But why are they? It comes from the gift, the crown. They are long or longer, but again, what does that mean? It's kind of a relative thing. They're a bit longer, but not always, because they're very, shall I say, they're very wordy. Our prayers are very, very long, very vibrant, very dynamic, very beautiful, very poetic, very theological. Why is that? Because we're trying in Eastern churches, we're trying to articulate, and this really gives you a glimpse into the soul of the Eastern churches, we're trying to articulate the sense of a God who is so other, so awesome, so unexplainable, so infinite, so immeasurable, so beyond us. At the same time, he is with us. That's the great mystery of God, a mystery we just celebrated through the era now, this time of the nativity. A God who is totally transcendent and yet totally imminent. 
It's a great mystery, an incredible mystery. And so we try to grope for words to explain it and also to give proper honor to that God as if one word isn't good enough. We got to have another word, another description of this God. We go on and on in a very descriptive way in our services, in our prayer. And there's a lot of ritual to it. Yes, a lot of what people would call tradition, because there's a very, very strong sense in Eastern liturgy of entering into another dimension. So it's very elaborate. Lots of smells and bells, as people oftentimes refer to us as. And this is our glory. This is our beauty. This is our gift. But of course, in a Western culture, that gift can pose a bit of a problem. It can keep people away because they just can't endure, especially with families sometimes, the long services. Not always, but sometimes they can. And let's face it, if there are churches with services that are more concise, it tends to be more of an attraction to people in our culture. So this is something else the Eastern churches have to look at. How do you find that balance? That's really the challenge here. How do you preserve the integrity of your gift, yet try to accommodate and adapt to what might be the fallen side of that gift or the negative of that gift in modern Western culture. A fourth thing is our sense of asceticism. Asceticism means practices in which we die to ourself. In other words, fasting, penance. We do a lot of that in Eastern churches. We do a lot of fasting. Fasting, it seems almost unbelievable or impossible to many Western Christians. For example, during the Lenten season, it's our tradition in most Eastern churches to go completely without meat or dairy products for the whole 40 days. Now, in a culture that's not used to fasting at all, that's rather indulgent, where obesity is a problem, that seems like an incredible, unimaginable discipline. That's just one example. In fact, we have several periods of fasting throughout the year and even during the week. And along with fasting always comes increased prayer, longer prayer, actually, even more demanding prayer, prayers that are very penitential. In fact, we even use our whole body during the season of Lent. We actually do what's called a prostration, where we actually throw our bodies to the ground in repentance. So the ascetical dimension of the Eastern churches is demanding especially in a Western culture, which is not quite accustomed to that. So what do we do? How do we articulate that? How do we project that? There are many who join us precisely because of that, but there are others who just can't take it. So it's something like the article says by our friend here, Father Oliver Herbal. I call it offsetting penalties. We do grow in the Eastern churches. In other words, the very things that are our gifts do attract people. And they attract them in ways in which these people are very, very zealous. At the same time, those very gifts are things which can turn people off or turn them away or just make things a bit out of reach for them. So what do we do? And it's a very delicate question because, especially in the East, we don't like to compromise our spirituality. We don't want to compromise the integrity of who we are and how we are and our gifts At the same time, we are faced always, especially in the Eastern churches, with the question of survival. Yes, survival. See, in the West, there's always a question of numbers. Yes, they'd always like more vocations, more people coming to church. And they take great efforts and come up with very creative ways to try to bring all these people back to church. There are supposedly high percentages of Catholics that don't go to church. 
But the difference is, despite those percentages, the difference is in the East, it becomes a matter not just of numbers, but of outright survival of our churches, whether there'll be anybody even left. So our challenge is very great and very delicate. And the author of this article, again, Father Herbal, proposes three things. So the answer is going to be prayer and fasting, a willingness to engage society rather than retreat from society, and deeply patient love so that we love all around us and our fellow Orthodox have patience for discernment as we move forward. Now, those three things impress me because those are the very same three things that I would recommend as well for the Eastern Catholic churches to meet the challenge of their evangelization, of their growth and survival. But I would add a couple of things of my own. One of those things is to recognize and to move beyond what I believe is the original sin of the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Eastern Catholic. That original sin, again, it stems in part from our crown, our gift. Because we are smaller, we tend to have a low self-image. We don't fully believe in ourselves enough. We may be very proud and very into our church. We don't seem to have the same degree of confidence in it that it can be shared and brought to people who are not of our ilk and not of our culture. This is what is, was meant by Father Herbal's statement, engaging society. That's one of my terms, a term that I like to use, that the Eastern churches have to first recognize that they have this low self-image, and they don't really understand or believe how they can take their riches and tell on the mountain, engage society with it. But we can, and we ought to, and we should, and we must. And this, I think, is the key for the Eastern churches, both Orthodox and Catholic, in our culture today to believe in what we have, and to engage our culture with those gifts. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab. And on iTunes, Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!